Lord, it's such an honor to worship you. Worship is an aroma. When the woman broke the jar at Jesus' feet, in worship, it released a sweet aroma. And an aroma either attracts or it repels. Heavenly Father, we know you inhabit the praises and the worship of your people. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you into our worship. We welcome you into this place. We welcome you into our hearts. We welcome you into our ears. We worship you. We love you. We adore you. We're here to lift up the mighty name of Jesus together. We're thankful for what you're going to do here tonight. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Let that be the cry of your heart tonight. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Reveal, convict, correct, heal, release, set free. Holy Spirit, have your way in each of us tonight. We love you. We welcome you. And we thank you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. How are we? Give us your give us a smile, everyone. Like people give me these tended with smiles like. It's good to see you all smiling. Welcome. It's great to be with you and it's great to have you here. Why don't you take one minute and find someone you don't know and say hello? How are you? Now I said someone you don't know. I'm watching. I know you. I know you. I know you, but I'll say hello. How are you, bro? I, I love hearing you sing behind me, by the way. You've got a great voice. But Awesome. If anyone's lost their Bible, um, you can come forward and claim it. Apparently it was left behind on Wednesday night. And um, I'll just read the scripture on the inside cover. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Amen. But um, if it's you, it looks like a well-worn-out Bible. So, well done. <laughs> but um, anyone who's here for the 
your first time or your second time, we do have a kids program for kids aged four to 12 and they're upstairs if, you, if you're here with your kids and um, you'd like your kids to be looked after and, um, and taught, you're welcome to go upstairs and the team will look after you. QR code behind me, you can scan that to get access to all the messages, all the sermon notes, um, all the podcasts, so um, encourage you to do that. Otherwise, I think um, we're ready to hear from Pastor Tony. Can we welcome him as he comes forward? Awesome. How you doing? Everyone doing good? Awesome. It's always an honor to share the word with you. Who's enjoyed the last couple of weeks? I've enjoyed it. It's always good, like I said, when the Holy Spirit wants to get across to us um, what He wants. And it's an... We are, we are just obedient to him, amen? Um, going to change a little bit direction. Oh, by the way, next week, Pastor Dorian's preaching. Amen. Love to hear what he's got to say. Don't clap too loud. I think if he keeps going, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> I had this old... I used to play football, and my coach used to always say, whenever he appointed a reserve grade coach so you had the first team and then you had the second you always appoint someone who's not very good because you don't want him to take your job so when I retired he gave me the reserve grade job <laughs> and I never forget that I don't know if he gave it to me because he likes me or I'm not very good so I'm a bit worried uh, so he's preaching because he's not very good you know <laughs> which is a lie all right <laughs> um, yeah I'm going to change tack a little bit um, um, the message tonight is on the same theme. You know, we've been, if we go back to the last couple of weeks, and we've been learning about how the Holy Spirit wants to make a home inside us, and how He wants to build uh, an edifice. Uh, the word edify means to build a home in the Greek, the actual word. The Holy Spirit is trying to make room inside you to grow you so the nature and the character of Christ is on the inside of you. And then we, we learned last week that he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And we always look at that. Where, 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 Lord? Where I am, you will always be. Because, but where, how do we know the way? Because I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. But then in the same chapter, he says, if my word abides in you, and I, you and I are one, and then my Father and I will come and make our home with you. So he talks about over there, and then he talks about over here. And, and you, you've got to put it all in context here that, God hasn't just come to save us to get us to heaven one day. That's a great place to be. I don't want to be in hell. And contrary to some theologians and contrary to some preachers and some churches, hell is real. And God is love. And then they can't reconcile the fact that if God is love, how do you get people go to hell? Well, God doesn't send anyone to hell. He made a decision for you to come and die on a cross that you can accept him. If you reject him, he just gives you over to what you want, which is separation from him. And we at, at, a, at a place and a time in this world right now, there's different seasons. Jesus said, you, you hypocrites, you know the seasons. You know when the, when the winds come, it's harvest time, it's, you know, summing time. It's, he goes, and you guys are hypocrites. If you can judge the weather, how much you can't judge the seasons of God. We're in a time of war now. Because the world 
and everything in that is coming after us, after your children, after anything that's normal is being attacked. And the church is a sitting duck because people, the believers that don't know who they are in Christ in order to stand firm in who they are. See, I, I, I speak to a lot of people that say, well, what are we doing? What's the church doing? What's God doing? And I often say, well, what are you doing? What is your role? What is your role in the kingdom of God? I would love a dollar for every time someone's blaming the devil for their life or blaming God for their life. If I only had, no, just give me one cent and I'll be a billionaire. And God wants us to take responsibility for our life. And by taking responsibility and being accountable to the decisions I make, to what I read, to what I see, to what I believe, and God will empower me to overcome. So he hasn't left us as an orphan. He's not saying, well, you go and show me what you like. People have this idea that I must show God if I love him. No, he really loves you. What did you show him for him to go to the cross? Nothing. He went because we were sinners that we transgressed and broke his law and he went to that cross. But now because he has done that for us, we receive that by faith, that where our names are changed, our hearts are changed, that he makes his home with us, he's empowering us by his grace and mercy to live out this, world, this Christian life. Amen? And I'm going to share, I'm going to read this scripture and then we'll explain it. Because it's, it's the, I said, well, who, do I, well, who was with me the other day? I said, I think, anyway, I talked to a lot of people. I said, there's two dogs. And you feed one and you don't feed the other. For three months. He probably dies, eh? I don't know. But two, months, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. And then you put him in a fight. Who's going to win? Who? The fed one. See, whatever you feed will become stronger. You either feed the flesh or you feed your emotions or you feed the natural man or you feed your spirit. Which one do you want to overcome? See, you're not going to overcome the devil by positive thinking. You're not going to overcome the devil because you said no to sin. Or you're not going to overcome because you come to church. You overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb. So that means that it's not just pleading the blood. It's, it, you can plead the blood till the cows come home and not know who you are in Christ. The blood is no effect. Because if the word's not mixed with faith, or my life is not mixed with faith, you can say, you can declare, you can decree, and still go to hell. And I want to show you two examples today of two men of God, anointed by God, to, do a th to, 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 to have a destiny and a purpose in their life and two very different results. And I want to see if that can correlate to us tonight. Amen? So tonight's a bit of a story, okay? And a bit of a... But let's, let's, let's read a scripture so people don't say we don't read the Bible, all right? We spoke for two hours never read one scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Moreover... Brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, or were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, or ate spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, that 
followed them. That rock was Christ. All ate the same spiritual food. Is that it was Christ? Next verse. All ate the spiritual food. I thought I had it wrong. Next verse, five. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became an example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some were them, as it is written, the people that sat to eat and drink and rise up and play. Nor let least us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Nor all these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our admonishment, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So let me, why did I read all that? He's speaking about the children of Israel. They got out of Egypt. Moses took them out of slavery. Egypt is a type and shadow of the world. Pharaoh was a type and shadow of the devil. The Israelites were a type and shadow of slavery, bondage, under fear, in their sin. And when Moses came and delivered them, and now Paul is using that example because they got saved. So it's like Jesus came and saved you and me. Amen? Anyone who calls Jesus Lord has been saved. You're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to righteousness. You're no longer a part of the world of darkness. You're in the children of light. You've got to believe that. If you don't believe that yet, then you don't. Everything else I say tonight is no waste of time. And then he talks about you being baptized into Moses. What does that mean? He means that he's using a, a, an analogy that you're saved. You were baptized under the cloud, which means the presence of God came upon you. Moses led the way. The cloud followed them in the day. Fire followed them at night. They went through the sea. And he talks about it all from a spiritual side. God protected them all through the desert. Their clothes didn't wear out. They, had drank, they ate manna from heaven, which is angel food. They, they, ate, they drank from the rock, which is a spiritual rock. He goes, which is Christ. Jesus is the rock, not Peter. And he goes, half the internet, boom, just exploded. And then he talks about, he was not pleased. They, their bodies were died in the wilderness. They were scattered. They complained they got bitten by snakes. You know the whole story. So he's using an analogy to say that you, as Christians, can be saved, can be baptized, can be spirit-filled. You can eat of the food of the manner of the Word of God. You have all these encounters of God. But you can still be scattered in a wilderness because you don't have obedience. And we're going to talk about this through two men. This is the picture he was saying in Corinthians. Then he says, but if you think that you can stand, least you fall. In other words, many guys, and I'm not going to share this from an experience. 
Again, I'd like a dollar for every person that says, I'm strong, I'm good, I want to do this. I go, are you sure the Lord's asked you to do that? Yeah, I'm strong, I'm good, and they fall. Because we think we can stand. See, most temptations, if you look at that word temptation, the Bible doesn't tempt anyone with evil, nor he can be tempted with evil. The word temptation means testings. Now, people get things wrong. People say to me, well, you know, I came out of... I came out of the drug world and I got saved and I stopped taking drugs, but God wanted to test me. So he sent me back to my friends and, and that was my test. I go, no, God doesn't test you with evil. That's not what he's talking about. The temptations and the testing here, he's talking about when God calls you, when God delivers you, when God saves you, when God protects you, the testing and the trials of life will come. But he says, but the no test or no temptation will overcome you because he gives you a way out. Does that make sense? See, who here has been saved more than one week? One week. <laughs> in other words, the minute you gave your life to Jesus, you came into a place of testing. Now, when you think of testings and trials, you think of exams that I'm going to pass the test. Did I pass? Did I fail? Lord? That's not the type of testing he's talking about. He's talking about, can you withstand? Can you be faithful? Can you do the things that God wants you to do in every situation? Lord, I love you. Praise God. Lord, I want to, I want to serve you. Praise God. And what happens with that, guess what happens? The minute you say, I want to do something for you, God, guess who rises up? The flesh. The very nature on the inside of you that you thought was dead, now, now he's besides. I mean, who here wants to read their Bible every night and when they start reading, they fall asleep? Who makes a commitment to, 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 to do a study and the minute you open it up, <clears throat> I know a guy who couldn't sleep for 10 years. As soon as he got saved, he slept every night. <laughs> Why? Because the things of the spirit inside you, your spirit is hungry for the things of God, but your flesh wanders, your mind wanders, your emotions wander. And what happens is there's a battle going on now. And that's the testing times. The testing times is you've been saved for a while and God's been speaking to you about holiness or God's been speaking to you about putting away childish things and then 10 mates come over and you become a child again. And you fail that test. You haven't, you're not a failure. You just failed that test. So he's saying God didn't send your 10 mates to The enemy sent them. But your mates come and take you a long way. You know you shouldn't be doing that, be watching this or whatever the case may be. And they're the temptations because the Israelites saw the miracle of God. They saw the blood on the doorpost. They saw the angel of death come over. No one died. Then they went into the wilderness. They got to the Red Sea. Oh my God, the Egyptians are coming. He passed the Red Sea. Then they go through, oh, we're hungry. Manna from heaven, quails. They saw all the miracles and the manifestations. And then the minute Moses went up to the mountain and took a bit too long, you know what? Moses is dead. Let's, let's worship God. So they got all the earrings. How much gold did they have? All the earrings are made of golden calf. And they worshipped it as God. Not even, I don't know how long he was up in the mountains. Does anyone know? Any theologians here don't know? 40 days. In 40 days, they forgot everything God had done for them and they went back. But you see, you don't realize what they meant by sexual immorality. You know what he's talking about? When they made the golden calf, sorry, kids here, they started to have a big old party, debauchery. And Moses came down and saw this and saw, oh my God. That's when he got angry and smashed the Ten Commandments. 40 days, they went back to their heathenistic, paganistic defilement. Didn't take long, did it? 40 days? And here he's telling you, 
that you can go through all the miracles of God, get touched by God, see God move, and go back to your very place. Why? You failed the test. Now, Paul is using this. He says, but when God is in the picture, and you know God's doing a work in your heart, and you have faith in him, it doesn't mean that you're going to overcome every obstacle in your life, but what it does mean is, are you going to be obedient and stay faithful to him while you're going through those trials? I can use a million examples here. I'll give you an example. Now, let's, let's talk about the stories and I'll tell you the examples. So I want to talk about two, two men here. Who knows Samson? Samson and Delilah. And Joseph. Two men of God, called by God in different times and different eras. Right? And Samson was called from birth. So his mum couldn't have a baby. God, an angel spoke to Samson's mum. Anyway, she ended up falling pregnant. And he was called to be a, Naz uh, a Nazarite. And he was called, in those days, one of the judges, so the rulers of Israel. Before they had a king, they had, it's in the book of Judges, they became a judge and they would rule over the nation. When Samson was alive, the Philistines, it's funny, the Philistines in Gaza were attacking the Israelites. And God raised up Samson to fight the battle for, the, for, for Israel. But there were things that he had. He wasn't allowed to cut his hair. He wasn't allowed to drink alcohol. And he, well, sorry? He, he couldn't touch dead things. Now, Samson, this particular judge in those days, Samson was anointed by God. He had supernatural strength. He beat 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. So he got attacked. God says, fight the battle. He finds a jawbone of a donkey in the, in the ground that's dead, obviously. He picks it up and he fights them and he kills 1,000 of them. He's the only one standing. Now you have to look at that and say, is this, a, is this Superman? Is this Iron Man? You know, what superhero is he? <laughs> but if you look, through, look between it, God anointed him to be a protector. But if you have a look at it, who fought the fight for him? God. But he was anointed. Does that make sense? Now, so Samson was a big man, strong man, anointed man. But there was a problem with Samson. He liked women. And he wasn't allowed to marry outside of his culture. But now he fell in love with a Philistine woman. And his parents said, no, you can't do this. God promised you and promised Israel that you'd be the deliverer. You can't do this. He goes, yeah, but she pleases me. She, she's good for me. You know? She's my soulmate. Yeah? And he married her. It didn't last very long. Then he leaves her and goes and, goes and hangs out with the prostitute. And then Delilah shows up on the scene. And everyone knows the story. Delilah came. Hey, you're so strong. And he'd make up. He'd play tricks with her and say, oh, if you haven't got, if you get new ropes, I've never been tied up with new ropes. And when you tie me up, um, I'll lose my strength. So she would go and tie him up when he's asleep. And he'd go, the Philistines are here to kill you. He'd just break the ropes and punch on the Philistine. And this went on. He wouldn't tell her his secret. But isn't it interesting that Samson was warned by his parents. Finally, she wears him out. And she tells him, my hair, my, my hair has not touched the razor. My strength is in my hair, he said to her. And when he fell asleep, they cut his hair. Then they jumped him. He had no power. And then they gouged his eyeballs out. And then he became a ca in captivity. And now Samson, the God, chose and anointed and appointed 
to deliver Israel. Now he's in a prison. And you know what he's doing? He's blind now. He's not just blind. He's got his eyeballs gouged out. And now he's just grinding the mill of grain. Then you've got another guy named jo- Joseph, anointed by God. He's one of uh, Jacob's, at the time he was Jacob's youngest son. And he had a lot of dreams. And, da- and Jacob loved him. Jacob was an older man at that time and he loved him. And while they were looking after sheep, sometimes Joseph would be just praying and he made him a, a coat of many colours. Remember seeing those plays, jo- Joseph, Technicolor dream coat or Joseph, the king of Egypt, all that sort of stuff. And many colours in those days, colours were very expensive because they just, not, to get many colours you have to get different dyes and that wasn't very common. And his brothers hated him because the father loved him, he was his favourite, he was the youngest. And Joseph was like a pretty boy, good looking, handsome and we're doing all the work and he's I don't know, sitting at home bludging. Now Joseph is anointed by God and when he was 17 he had these dreams and he tells his brothers about these dreams and the dreams were basically, if you interpret the dreams, that they're going to bow down to him. He goes, we're not going to bow down to you. And then he had another dream about the moon and the sun bowing down to him. And then they interpreted that. Jacob goes, what? We're your parents. We're going to bow down to you. You're going to rule over us. He was 17. And one day his brothers are working in the field and Jacob says, go and find out where your brothers are. Make sure they're all right. When he goes out there, the brothers concocted this idea that this guy is a pain in the butt. Let's kill him. And someone, one of the brothers, I think uh, Judah, yelled, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him off. So what they did, they took his coat off him, ripped it up, and they sold Joseph to the um, Ishmaelites as a slave, and they took him to Egypt, and they ripped up his coat, dipped it in the goat's blood, and came back to their dad and said, oh, a wild beast killed your son. Got sold into slavery. Then he ends up being bought by Potiphar, and Potiphar saw there was favour on this slave's life, so he made him in charge of all his affairs, but Potiphar's wife liked him, and she would come daily to him. Lay with me, lay with me, lay with me. Finally says, no. Then he tried to make sure he wasn't in the same room as her, and she'd find him. Then one day she grabbed him and says, now, he says, I will never sin against my God and sin against my master. And he ran, and she grabbed his jacket off him, or his cloak, or a piece of his uh, clothing, and then she accused him of rape and they threw him in jail. So you've got two men of God here. Baptised in the, in, the, in the anointing of God. Called by God. Anointed by God. But very two different outcomes. You've got one who flirted with sin. I can handle this. I'm anointed. Samson. And you've got one who Joseph who said, no way. I'm not going to get anywhere near this woman. And look at this. Joseph ends up in the pit. Falsely accused. Imagine Joseph sitting there going, you gave me all these dreams, Lord, and my brother sold me and betrayed me. Then I get sold to, and I get accused falsely. Now I'm in the jail. What happened to my life? I gave my life to you, and look where I am, I'm in a dungeon. Who's had that cry of the heart one day where you gave your life to Jesus and then all hell broke loose on you? Your life didn't go the way you think, and you're in a dungeon now. Or, you know, you've been betrayed by the people closest to you. Or you've been falsely accused of something you never did. Who's been there? Because it's very interesting to know that there's two people anointed by God, but two very, very different outcomes. I could go through the list of all of them, but for the sake of time, 
Look what I wrote. Both men anointed by God with a vision and a destiny. God graced them to fulfill their calling, but the outcome was very different. Okay, so if we explore their life. Samson was a, you can look at it, you can, I'll write this down. Samson was a loser. Joseph was a winner. Samson had everything going for him. He was the product of a miracle birth, raised by godly parents and given a supernatural strength, yet he failed. But why did he fail? Disobedience. I'll tell you how he failed, guys. Because he was anointed, because he was called, because God was using him, because he beat 1,000 men with a bone of a donkey's jaw, he thought, I've got it worked out. His parents came, godly parents came to warn him. He didn't take any warning because you know what? I'm anointed more than them. What do they know? God called me. I don't need to listen to you. So this is the mistakes that we make as Christians. And we're going to go through them. See, you could say it this way. Because I'm trying to bring these old two stories into our world today. And I've seen this so many times. And this is, it could be a warning to some could be an edification to others, but ultimately it's going to edify us in every sense of the word. See, you can be empowered by God, you can be a miracle baby, you can have all the gifts of the Spirit, and you can operate in the kingdom of God and still fall. Where, if you have a look at Paul's writings to the Corinthian church, they had all the gifts of the Spirit. Because we get caught up in, I've got the gifts of tongues, or the gift of healing, or the gift of uh, working of uh, wisdom, a word of knowledge and word of wisdom, and the gift of interpretation. And we've got all these gifts that the Bible talks about, but God's interested in your character. Because the gifts that you got on your life do not scare the devil. They actually attract more. So this is what happened. You see, there's four things in life. Whether you're called to ministry, whether you're called to... No matter what sphere of influence you have on this world, whether you're a school teacher or a parent, a mum, a dad, running a business, whatever, these four keys that you need to know, these are for everyone. But especially if you think you're called to ministry or called to the kingdom of some sort. All right? The first one is, if we have it there, up there, prayer life. See, Samson's problem was he lacked a prayer life. If you read the scripture, the only time we read Samson praying is when he was in trouble. Sound familiar? Some people, the only time they pray is, like I said, when the cops are chasing them because they went through a red light. The only time they pray is they're, um, they're late at work and they're trying to get to work on time, hoping the boss didn't see them. Or sickness hits them, a disease, or, or you're going through some tor torment in your life. That's when you hear people praying. The other one was, that was the only one, eh? So Samson's prayer life, if you read it, wasn't much of a prayer life. But Joseph had an intimacy with God. His prayer life. See, prayer isn't a magic wand to get you out of trouble, although he does. Prayer is the substance that holds you firm in a time of greatness, so when trouble does come, you can go overcome it. Prayer isn't, I've got to tick the box. Prayer isn't, I'm in trouble, Lord, help me. Prayer isn't your Christmas shopping list. Lord, I want this, I want this, I'll give me a man, any man. Give me the tall, short, blonde hair, blue eyes, makes $120,000 a week. Yeah. 
Lord, give me a good-looking woman that can cook, clean, and I go, bro, if you can find one, it's a miracle. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, sorry, sorry. Well, please forgive me. Prayer isn't your shopping list. Prayer has to be the place where you commune with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Saying 20 our Father, saying that our Father is good, that's the Lord's Prayer, but saying it 20 times after each other does not change your circumstance. Bowing before him and saying, Lord, what do you want from me? I'm pouring my heart to you. And be as honest as you can because it doesn't offend God. We get offended when we share our heart. He doesn't get offended. Prayer is the gateway to commune with the Father because he wants to commune with you. Then we've got praying in the Spirit. I don't know what to pray. Beauty, because then you won't wreck your prayer. Just pray and build that house on the inside so it can fortify you and strengthen you so you can stand firm. Because you don't need prayer when things are going good. You need prayer when things are about to come against you. So the prayer when I'm having a good time is fellowship with him. You have an interesting note that Jesus pulled himself aside. Lord, there's a big need. Where are you going? I'm going to go pray. You don't need to pray. You're God. You're God in the flesh because I need to go spend time with my father. Amen? People substitute their prayer life with fellowship. People substitute their prayer life with worship. People substitute prayer life just to do stuff for God, but they never lock themselves away to pray with God. So it's about doing stuff for God and not letting God do something in you. This applies to anyone. These four keys apply if you're in worship, if you're up here, if you're in there, if you're in any sphere of your life. Do not pretend that you can get through this life without your prayer life. Because what will happen is it will get exposed. See, it didn't get exposed with Samson in the beginning. He, he fought 1,000 men and won. It didn't get exposed when he married the wrong Philistine. It didn't get exposed when he slept with the whore. He, it, sorry. He got... Well, that's what the Bible says. Anyway. It got exposed when he thought, I'm sweet, I can handle myself, I'm strong. I'm going to play games. I'm going to flirt with her until she got his heart and then she destroyed his ministry and lost his eyeballs. He didn't just fall and get ripped. He lost his eyeballs. And now he's a slave to the very people. Listen to me. He's a slave to the very people God was using to conquer those people. But Joseph had a prayer life. The second thing, walking by faith. Refusal to live by God's word. When you are led by sentiment rather than scripture, you are heading for trouble. You know the word uh, sentiment? You know who that means? When you're led by your emotions. It's sentimental to me. Again, you know you, you shouldn't be with that person or that crowd or you're doing those things. But, you know, they're my friends or they're my soulmate or I've always been with them. And you are led by your emotions. And guess what happens when you're led by emotions? The enemy comes and sends one after the other after the other till he gets the wrong person in the right place to destroy you. If you are not led by the Spirit, you will be led by your emotion. If I, like, I like another, you know, I'd, be a very, I'd be a trillionaire if I had a dollar for every time. I went billionaire, trillionaire, zillionaire. He's my soulmate. He's a drug dealer! Yeah, but I think I can change him. You can't even change your mind! You can't change your clothes. I can change him. Change him. Oh, oh, this one's the best one. I'll do this for a while, make a quick buck. 
Because I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I'll do this for a while so I can set up my family. You're never going to let go of it. Because when you're making that kind of money, you're not going to go back and go work for $100 a day. And I can make you many examples like that. I'm just having fun. <laughs> One of the best definitions is disobedience. See, Samson was disobedient or incomplete obedience. But I added, from my own words, delayed obedience. You, God has spoken to you. He's told you what he would like from you. You've told 37,000 people about it and you still haven't done it. Delayed disobedience is still disobedience. It's better than no obedience. But delayed disobedience, see, the delay that you delay about what God's asked you to do could be the, the tipping point of what the enemy does in your life. If you don't deal with this issue right now, God's asked me to deal with this issue. And I don't issue, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Then the next day, next day, next day. Before you know it, man, if I just dealt with it back then. Who's been there? Who knows that I should have done or should not have done something? And then when you realize, you think, man, why did I just wait so long to do it? You can't pick the scriptures you like and to live by and turn a blind eye to the rest of them. How many people have come up to me, Rabs, Pastor Dorian or anyone, and grabbed the Bible and used the scripture to justify their life? So that's good. That's what the Bible says. Oh, keep reading. No, we won't read there. Keep reading. <laughs> it's sad because we've all done it. We've all tried to justify our life through scripture. That's a very dangerous place to be. See, the third one. What spirit? See, Samson, when he got hammered. Oh, can we go back to the other one? I forgot to put this down. When his parents, uh, Samson's parents came to speak to him, says, you shouldn't be marrying this lady. He says, but no, nah, she's the one for me. He denied, look what he did. He denied his godly parents based on his feelings and emotion. What he did in the natural is he denied the people that are above him that he was submitted to, his family, his parents, and wouldn't listen, so he wasn't teachable anymore. Let's bring it down here. He denied his elders or people that are more mature in the spirit because he had a gift that they didn't have, so he thought he was superior to them and that he wouldn't listen. That's a big, big no-no in the body of Christ today. That you think that you're smarter than the people that teach you. See, the Lord showed me one day, uh, people that mentored me and people spoke life into me, people that rebuked me, people that loved me throughout my life. You know, I'm probably going to do more than they've ever done in the sense of travelling overseas, preaching the gospel, uh, baptising more people than they, they'll ever will. But I wouldn't have never done any of that if it wasn't for them and they may never may ever leave their home. I can never dishonour where I've come from because if I wasn't for them, I wouldn't be the man I am today. So I still got to remain teachable. You're not, your anointing and the gift on your life doesn't justify you for maturity. Doesn't qualify you for scripture. Doesn't qualify you to be a theologian. All it means is that God's graced you to overcome and make sure you remain teachable. Next one, sorry. Samson, after he got... Um, put in jail, and after Joseph got put in jail, Samson prayed for revenge. Samson had no more power. Joseph, he ended up getting sold to slavery, put in a pit, and then, this is interesting, 
Then the Pharaoh had thrown two of his servants in there. One was a butler and one was a baker. And these guys were depressed, broken, but they had a dream. He goes, I'll tell you your dreams. He told them both their dreams. One was going to die and one was going to get out. And the one that was going to get out, he says, listen, tell Pharaoh, please don't forget me, what I've said to you. Because one ended up dying and one ended up getting discharged, getting out. And he says, please don't forget me down here. Tell Pharaoh what I, had, what I did. But what did he do? He forgot him. See, if there's a person that should be bitter, a person that should be disheartened, a person that should be cursing God, a person that should say, what have you done to me? What have I ever done to you? You gave me this curse. You gave me these visions and dreams. And I told them about it. And next thing, my brothers betray me. And next thing you know, she accuses me, which is falsely. Now I'm in this dungeon for 10 years. And now I, I'm still using the dreams and the visions, the, the interpretations of my gifting. And they came to pass. One died and the guy that got out forgot about me. If anyone was going to win, it was going to be him. We could, we could become like that. We could either whinge about, well, I've got this calling, this desire, this thing in my life, but why isn't it coming to pass? I feel like I'm in a pit. I feel like I'm in a dungeon. See, you're complaining and you're whinging and you're whining is going to abort the mission on your life. I don't read anywhere in Scripture where Joseph complained, whinged, or, or had a go at God. But here, the two differences is this. Look at this. After a season, oh, we'll keep going. He wanted, he extended forgiveness. We know that when Joseph ended up getting out, what did he do? He interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh made him second in charge. So he got out of jail and so did Samson. Samson was grinding the mill, but what they didn't realize, his hair was growing back. Then he got this strength and they took him to the temple. It was a pagan, Dagon temple. It was a demonic temple. He goes, please, let me just put me up against the, uh, the, the columns of the temple um, because I just want to lean on it. And he did. He leaned over, he pushed the whole building and it all collapsed and they, everybody died. Let's go to the next one. What's the motivation? Samson, if you read the story, Samson, because he was anointed and appointed and had this strength, was betting the Philistines that I'll fight you and whoever wins, you give me all your garments. You give me some. He was betting. He was merchandising the gift on his life. He was selling the gift on his life. He was trying to profit because of greed. But Joseph, his only motivation was to please God. Because he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh and said, he didn't even tell him the dream. He says, I'll tell you your dream. He says to him, you're going to have seven years of prosperity and then you have seven years of famine. So make sure you put away enough for the famine and you can save your people and we can sell to others. But he could have said at any point, give me 10%. If he's a lebo, give me 20%. And I want it cash. He could have said that. And it came to pass. Look at the difference. The two motivations here. And I often think, he ends up, Look at, the, and look at the difference here. Samson flirted with sin. He thought he could control sin, the sin nature, which ended up controlling him. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers when approached by Potiphar's wife repeatedly, ran from her and wrongly accused him and sent him to prison. He never lost hope, never complained, never gave up. 
See, grace without obedience becomes lawlessness. If you're under grace, in which you are, and God's grace is poured upon you, and you're washed by the blood, it's not a license to sin. It's not a license to use that grace to flirt with sin, say, well, I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. No, 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 you're going to get burnt. See, if my grace isn't under the obedience of, of the Holy Spirit and His Word, it will become lawlessness. In other words, what you never want to do, you end up doing, and you end up entertaining it, and it will keep you there till you die. But if you only obey out of fear, you only obey out of religion. Obedience without grace is legalism or religion. So grace without obedience will send you to hell. And obedience, doing so, not doing something for the sake of not doing it because that's the right thing to do and becoming religious and out of fear, guess what? That becomes legalism. And they both send you to hell. Why? Because it's got nothing to do with God. It's all got to do with you. I'm under grace. I'll do what I want. Or I'm under the law, I can't do anything I want. And then what happens is you mix the two together and you don't understand the love of God. See, you can't change yourself. A lot of people are going to change him, I'm going to change her. Please. I can't change myself. I need the grace of God to change me. See, Bible says, people say, oh, follow your heart. Mate, the Bible says your heart is above things all wicked. Jesus never said, follow your heart. He says, let me break it. Because your heart is wicked. Let me put my heart into your heart. He calls them stiff neck, hard as a rock. People says, follow your dreams. No, he doesn't. Jesus says, follow my dreams. See, we get this idea that my desires is more important than God's. See, if you truly have your... See, you will, God will give you the desires of your heart. But guess what? When you spend time with him, his desires become your desires. Your desires don't become his desires. See, Samson thought he had it. Samson fulfilled his calling, but it cost him his life. Joseph fulfilled his calling, but guess what Joseph did? Look this. You enjoy this. Samson had his power restored and ended up destroying the temple of Dagon and the kingdom of the Philistines. So very, the very thing God wanted Samson to do, he ended up fulfilling. Because God will always get his way at the end. But guess what happened this time? He did it with no eyeballs. You know what God had to do? If your eyes cause you to sin, cut them out. And that's against the law. You're not, you're not meant to cut yourself. Cut your, what is he saying? He goes, in the natural sense, Samson was anointed and appointed. But guess what? He's walking from natural means. Because everything he put his eyes to, he thought it was his. Every time he saw a girl, his eyes latched. He was going by sight and not by faith. He, got, he had to get his eyeballs pulled out in order to realize that, man... And then what he did, he ended up destroying the Philistine and their temple. But guess what? He died with it. But Joseph is another thing. So Samson destroys the Philistine kingdom. But Joseph was released and ended up running the kingdom. What did the Bible say to us? Jesus said, I've overcome Satan. I've destroyed the kingdom of darkness. I made a public spectacle of him. What does he say now? Now you go rule and reign on this earth as it is in heaven. See, we're walking on the defense. The devil's got us, the devil's got us. But God said, kick the devil's doors down and go into his territory. But we need, to have to know, we need to know how to rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. Joseph, Saint, Joseph was involved in Egypt. They were pagans. The Philistines were pagans. 
Same, they both locked them up. Both stories. But one had a heart to please God. One had a heart to please himself. So we as believers, we have to choose. See, the decision is yours. If you were honest with yourself and you looked yourself in the mirror and you just had a list of all your problems, all your fears, all your anxieties, all your troubles, all your... If you had a look, I guarantee you, at first the flesh will blame husband, wife, kids, work, environment, interest rates, my upbringing, my culture, this, that. But when the Holy Spirit gets involved, guess what he does? He starts to peel away at all that. Guess what he shows you? You. What decisions have you made? What have you entertained? What have you believed that's wrong? I can't live without that person. Then they become your God. You don't know what I've done for them. They become your God. And look what it says here. To encourage you. Romans 8, 31, 32. It's six o'clock already. After everything I've said to you today, two men, two men anointed by God. One went with the eyesight, one went with the spiritual sight. One walked by sight, one walked by faith. One thought he could overcome and flirted with it, one ran the opposite direction. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Is God for you? Because most people that I talk to think God's against them. Most people I, 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 I talk to think that God placed them in a trap to fall in that trap and it's all God's fault. Or some people say, the devil, God put me there and the devil got me and, and we have all these theories and no one ever says to themselves, why did I make that decision? Why didn't I believe God in this situation? See, most of us don't understand when you look back, what was my prayer life like? Was I in prayer? Did, did, I, did I read the word? Did I have a heart, a spirit of forgiveness? Did I have a, did I have a, a motive? What was my motivation? What did Jesus say in Matthew? When you fast, when you pray, when you give and when you forgive. <laughs> it doesn't say if you fast, if you pray, if you... It says when you fast... He's speaking that there is a coming a time that you'll be fasting, you'll be praying, you'll be giving and you'll be forgiving and then seek the kingdom of God because when you've done all those things, then you'll know what the kingdom of God is. But what we say is seek the kingdom. Let's go get the things of the kingdom because the Bible says you first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So our, what's our motive? Things. We just want things. It could be not bad things, but they're things anyway. So you're using God to get what you want, to, to satisfy your emotion, to heal your partner, to give you a better job. But the Bible says, fast, pray, forgive, give. What's he doing? Pray, communication, fasting, dealing with the flesh, giving, greed. You can just manifest greed in the room when you say, oh, we've got a need, can you give? And we've got a pretty generous church here. But you can tell, do I trust God? Is God speaking to me about that? Forgive. I don't forgive the ones I like. We think that the guy cut me off on the freeway and he says, sorry, we forgive him. We thought we've forgiven. 
If God be for us, who can be against us? So how do I know if God is for me? The Bible says, before you can receive from God, you must first believe that He is God. And He is a rewarder of those who are diligently seek Him. You know what diligently seeking? You've got to search out. I will, when I first got saved, I, there was not one stone I didn't turn over to find Him. I wasn't one Christian I didn't talk to. There wasn't one Bible study I was trying. I just wanted to know where Jesus was. Something ignited on the inside of me. You can't do that anymore. That's done. You can't do that anymore. Pray that out. Man, I just wanted to know where Jesus was. So I thought Jesus was in a book. Then I thought Jesus was in a worship tape. Then I thought Jesus was in a preacher. Then I, Jesus manifested himself through all these things, but Jesus was when I was with him one on one. So I want to know, what's the next anointing? What's the next meeting? What's the next great message? What's the great, what's, and I said, but you know what? God saw the hunger of my heart. And then God started to speak to me in little snippets. And the next thing you know, wow, I didn't need anyone to tell me, oh, you know what, I know this is not right. I know the way I'm thinking is wrong. I know I'm jumping the gun. I know I'm not ready for that. I remember the Lord speaking to me once. I said, Lord, Lord, where's this ministry of mine? You promised me this ministry. Lord, Lord, Lord. And I watched these people on TV one day, and the Lord spoke to me. He says, see that guy there on TV? Yeah, he goes, yes, I want to, I want to do that, Lord. And the Lord says, but are you ready to take the persecution he's going through? No way I was ready to take that persecution. He goes, no, I can't use you yet. But there will come a time where I will. You see, God is not interested in just giving us a gift so he can show off. He's interested in building character on the inside of us so we can withstand the enemy's bombardment. Because he's going to come after you. And people say more time, oh, before I came to these Bible studies or before I came to church, I didn't have any problems. Because no, you did. But now that you've come, you've, the, the, the Lord's just peeled back and he's exposing what you're already going through. You didn't just come up with this problem now because you're coming here but what happened here the light shined on your problem now you know there is a problem you know you're not living right and now you're blaming God <laughs> people nodding their heads on yeah if it wasn't for, it wasn't for this Bible stuff oh, I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 I don't think I gave it to him we must be looking onto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Imagine if Jesus looked upon his life. Imagine if Jesus was a 10-year-old boy and he looked upon his life and said, I'm going to go through that. You think he would have went as a 10-year-old? I don't know. But he was obedient, the Bible says, unto death, even death to the cross. In other words, Jesus was more about pleasing the Father than his self-worth being or his, his... Even in the garden, is there another way? He was human, is there another way? But as soon as he said that, he goes, but not my will, but your will be done. You know what? Thank God Jesus was obedient, amen? Thank God Jesus is not, not another story in the Bible that could have, but didn't. But no, no, he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Amen? Amen? That he saved us and set us free. And all he's saying to us, I'm giving you my spirit. I'm going to make my home with you. These are the tools I'm giving you. Just use them. Because the, the more real we become, I look at the more real, the more I stop justifying my life, 
is the quicker I get to my destination. The more I, I can make excuses why I don't do this. Because the excuses are plenty. And I'm not saying things don't happen to you and circumstances in life. I, I get it, we're human beings. But ultimately, I don't allow any excuse to prevent me from my calling. See, I can't allow what had happened to me, what's going to happen to me, what they're doing to me, what they're saying. I can't allow that to abort the mission that God's given me. And you can't do it likewise. You can't believe the lie of the enemy. You've got to start knowing who Jesus is for yourself, man. It's you and him. Not religion. I had people come to me once and said, yeah, I've come for a while. It's nice, but it's not for me. I said, praise God. Go find a church that's for you. No, I don't think so. Why not? Yeah, I just don't agree with that. What don't you agree with? Like, is there something I said, something I've done, something I've done? I make fun of you by mistake. You're vegetarian because I made fun of vegetarians last week. Are you vegan? I made fun of vegans two weeks ago. I made fun of Arabs, Lebos, Assyrians, Greeks. I, mean, I made fun of myself. So it's funny to be offended about. What offended you? He goes, oh, I just don't believe. I reckon we should be able to love who we love and live the way we want to live and God should bless it. Exactly. I just stood there like... Um, and I don't agree with that because, you know, a woman's right to choose and all this sort of stuff. And I went... I don't know what to say to her. So I didn't know what to offend her. So I don't want to offend. I didn't want to abuse her. I didn't want to abuse her. I wanted to headbutt her, but no, we couldn't do that. <laughs> and I said this. I said this. I said this. God gives you this. God gives you the free will to choose whatever you want to choose. Because yeah, I like that. And God will give you over to whatever you choose. And it doesn't change his love for you. But the problem you have is whatever you do that's outside his will or outside his covenant or outside his law, you have to pay a price for. And the sad thing with God's heart, no matter what we've done wrong, is you're rejecting the cross that saved you and washed you and forgave you. So what you're doing is you're looking upon, I want to live my way and have God to bless me. He can't. Because what you've just sowed a seed, and that seed will come to fruition one day. Like any seed that's thrown, it'll grow, and you'll eat of the fruit of that. If it's God's way, you'll eat of the blessing. If it's not God's way, you'll eat of the curse. So you're doing it your way. And God still loves you. He gives you... Only a loving God can give you over to what you want. And I said to her, but can I ask you a question? That lifestyle will eat you up and spit you out because you're of no value to them. And you know what that does? See, I often say to people, people me, oh, look at all the people dying in the world. Where's God? I said, the first commandment says, thou shalt not murder. How many people have been killed and murdered throughout history? The Bible says, Thou shalt not commit fornication or adultery. How many people have died from sexual transmitted diseases in their life? AIDS killed 40 million people in, in 10 years or something. Okay, so two commandments. Let's just pick one. One commandment that God says, Don't do, that you do, causes all that havoc, and it's God's fault. Let's go to the second commandment. Let's go to the third commandment. Let's go. And God knows we can't keep the commandments. In a perfect world, if no one did anything wrong, there'd be no disease in the world, there'd be no sin in the world. True. But God knows we can't keep the law. That's why he sent his son. 
that he take out the sin nature so you can now be obedient to the Spirit of God through the Word of God and have a fruitful life. So you're blaming God for things he says don't do. He's, he's just cruel. No, he's saying don't do it because I love you and this is going to get you in trouble. One commandment can save... Someone Google it one day and find out. And I said to her, I said to her can I ask you a question? Yeah. The life you want to live has no rules, has no boundaries. Okay, if that was applied to the road right now, do what you want. Red means green and green means red. And you can turn anytime you want with that blinker and you can cross the road anytime. What would happen? Chaos. Exactly. One red light went down the other day and it was chaos. People didn't know how to drive anymore. It's like chaos. I thought the cop couldn't stop, stop it, so she started breakdancing. Go, that way, that way, that way, that way. I go, hey, which way do I go? Stop, stop, stop. I do the electric boogaloo with her. She looked at me like you're an idiot. I said, I am. If there's no order, there's chaos. They teach our kids in school that we come from... Anyway. If God's order is not in our life as Christians, and God's not out to hurt us, you know, I had these two people debating. He says, why would you worship a God that didn't want Adam and Eve to eat from a tree of knowledge? Because God just wanted to keep you dumb. That was the question in a debate. Two very intellectual people. One was a Christian, one was an atheist. He says, why do you worship a God that said don't eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil when you're a man of knowledge and he wanted just to keep you dumb? And the guy responded, I find it very interesting that the same question was asked from a snake. <laughs> that question was asked by a snake. In other words, God wasn't preventing man from knowing good and evil and holding them back. They were already like God. They were made in God's image and God's likeness. So the lie wasn't that God was trying to keep them away from knowledge. He was trying to keep them away from hurt. Because once you know good and evil, guess what? You can do good things, you can do bad things. But they didn't know right from wrong in the garden. They just knew God. They were like him in his image and likeness. They were already like God. So the enemy lied to them. God's withholding. What did they do? We've been chaos ever since. You don't know better than God. God loves you. God knows better. God loves you. He sent his son. Because the world, mate, these dirty, rotten sinners, just destroy the whole world and start again, Lord. What does he do? He sends Jesus, his only begotten son, to die on the cross for you. That's the loving God we serve. He knows every mistake, every sin, every disobedience you've ever made. See, there's stories that I showed you today. There were two men under the law. Sorry, there were two men outside the law. But there were two men that had an encounter with God. One was obedient, one wasn't. We have so much more than them. We have the great Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. If you allow the Holy Spirit and what Jesus did on the cross to be the foundation of your life and let him be your teacher, guess what? You can be not tempted and lose. You'll be tempted in the sense of God will give you an escape plan. Guess what? He'll overcome the very sin, the very nagging fault that you have, that very issue in your life. God will get you over that. You know why? Because he loves you. He's there with you. He's not for you. He's not against you. He's for you. See, the spirit of grace is come to teach us. Amen? And when he teaches you, listen. Don't do it your way. I love, and I'll, f I'll finish on this. 
if I were going to do it my way, then if I do it my way, then everything that goes wrong is my fault. But if I do it his way, when something does go wrong, he stands in the gap for me. He says, no, no, no. If, the enemy's, if it's the enemy coming after you, I'll stand in the gap. You see, Joseph's life looked like a failure. Joseph did everything right according to Scripture and ended up in two prisons, sold to slavery. But Joseph ended up running a demonic nation and turned them right around and saved his family, saved the nation of Israel, and guess what happened? And saved the seed of Jesus who came later to die on the cross. And when you look back, you think, my God, my God. And you know what? Joseph in the pit, in the pit, in the pit, contemplating his life, still looked for opportunity to use his gift for the glory of God. See, sometimes you might be in a pit right now and you might be going through some stuff right now and you might be hurting right now. Don't keep your eyes off Jesus because God will give you opportunity to bring someone else out of the pit. I love that when I read that today. I said, Lord, because I can tell you a million stories where I'm in the dungeon in my life spiritually or physically or financially and God would give me eyes to see someone hurting more than me. And I go over there and share the love and grace of God with them. In the pit, he still had the energy. Because imagine, listen to me, imagine he was brokenhearted in that pit, in that jail. And he said, what's the point? I've done everything. I'm in the pit. And I know their dreams. And I'm, I'm going to tell them, what's the point? You know what? If he didn't go out and do what he was called to do, he never got out of the pit. He would have just sat there and said, no. He wouldn't have known that one day that, that gifting on his life was the very thing that the gifting put him in the prison. Guess what? The very gifting got him out of prison. The very, the very thing God's called you to do, you might think you're in a prison for it. You might think you're under attack for it. You might not see God working in it. But that very gift, if you stick with God, listen to me, if you stick on the track, stay on that narrow road, guess what? That's the very thing that will get you over the line. Amen? Siri didn't like that, huh? Can we stand? The very thing that got him in prison can be the very thing that gets you out of your prison. The very thing that you think that you're struggling with today, God can heal it, empower it, and that could be the, the lever that gets you out of what you're through. I don't trust nobody. Okay, start trusting God. Because the very thing that you don't trust could be the very thing when you start trusting can get you over the pit. Oh, I can't rely on anyone anymore. Start relying on God. I can't love anyone. They hurt me. Well, start loving God. Because then you start seeing things from a different spirit, from a different angle. You know, some people... When they fall and they get mixed up between conviction and condemnation. It's good to be convicted. Conviction just says that your conscience knows what you did was wrong or you're not in the place you should be. But the devil brings condemnation where he puts you into a pit of damnation and there's no way out. 
See, it's good to be, have a conviction or to be convicted. But Paul says in Romans 8, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But look what he says, who not walk according to the flesh. You can say eyes, you can say soul, you can say emotions, but walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Your problem is this. You don't understand the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You only understand the law of death because that's how we wired up from birth. That's what the devil throws at us. That's what religion throws at us. Death. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing, Paul says. And the things I do, I don't want to do. And people use that as a justification. Well, if Paul struggled, I struggle. Paul's talking about people under the law. Paul was, Paul was trying to talk about people who are trying to fix themselves up. But here he's saying, because that's what condemnation brings. But here he's saying, but there is no condemnation. Those who walk according to the Spirit. Because in your spirit, there's a new law. It's not the law of death, people. It's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's gravity. Gravity, whatever I throw up, must come down. Well, how do we fly then? If everything goes up, must come down. There's another law called aerodynamics, where a plane can fly through the air. So it didn't change the law of gravity, it just superseded the law of gravity. So there's a law of gravity, which is our sin nature, you could say, our, the way we used to think, how we think, what we think God thinks about us. That's the sin nature, that's the old man. But the new man has the law of, of aerodynamics. It doesn't change the law, it just supersedes that law. But if I feed the law of sin and death, if I just think that God doesn't love me, and I, I need to do something good for God so He can love me, or you just don't know what I've been through, you know what you're doing? You're feeding that death nature. But if I feed my spirit, I'm not under condemnation. I'm under the blood. I've messed up, but thank you for your grace. Thank you that you healed me. Lord, I give you my life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to teach me. Thank you. I can stand here as a son, as a daughter. My old life has passed away. Behold, my whole, all new things become new. Guess what? I'm empowering the law of the spirit of life. But my mates rejected me. So what? He'll give me more mates. Jesus said, if you lose mother, father, brother and sister for my sake, I'll give you a mother and father and a brother and sister. I'm not bound by no man, no woman, no child. I'm bound by the love of Jesus in my life. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. Everyone say, set me free. It's done. It's been set in stone. It's finished from the law of sin and death. So I don't have to be a Samson, anointed, appointed, and busted and disgusted. I can be a Joseph. But I don't even want to be a Joseph. I want to be a Jesus. Come on. I want to be Christ-like. When, 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 when Jesus says, nowhere to lay my head, where, where, where did Samson lay his head? In the lap of Delilah. When we start to lay our minds in the lap of the world, we're going to eat the fruit of the world. But let's lay our head on Christ. Let's do what John did and just lay our head on the chest of Jesus to hear his heartbeat. That's what prayer really is. That I lay my head on the, on the bosom of Jesus so I can hear his heart. And in that process, guys, the Holy Spirit will do a work in you if you cooperate with him if you're obedient to him. Because ultimately, it's his love that sustains us. Not the knowledge I have, not the dancing and the shouting and coming to church. It's the love I have that's bestowed on the inside of me. 
And then I can become what God's called me to be. I can be free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Don't be overwhelmed by what you're going through. Be overflown in the spirit of grace that's upon you. And I'm not saying sometimes it gets hard, it doesn't get hard. I'm not saying we don't need one another. We do. We can't do this walk by ourselves. But if my reliance is only on you and on Bible studies and on church and my reliance is not on Christ, I need to have Christ as the be all and end all. And that's up to you. You have to make a decision what life you want to live. See, I made a decision 21 years ago. My life is no longer mine. Did I become selfish? Yeah. Did I try and hold on to it? Yeah. Did I do things wrong? Yeah. But I always come back to that confession. My life is not mine. And I keep going back. When I fall, I get back up. I go on that. When I fall, get up. When I, I never stop moving forward. Fall backwards if you have to. Crawl on your knees if you have to. Go kicking and screaming if you have to. But keep walking towards the King of Kings. Don't stop your walk. Don't allow what you did wrong here to disqualify you for what God's got over there. Because our ox should have been disqualified 30,000 times by now. With bad thoughts, bad comments, bad words, bad this, bad that. But I keep walking towards His grace. The problem is when you stop walking and start justifying, you start walking backwards. You've got your eyes on Jesus, but you're doing this. And Jesus says, come to me, all that are heavy laden, and I'll give you that rest. Come to me, and I'll give you my word. I'll give you my spirit. Come to me. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He goes, come to me, not to church, not to religion, not to denominations. Come to me. We know more about him than we know him. We need to know him. In these last days, we need to know who him, what he's saying to us. The Bible says in Revelations, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of grace has to say. It's what the Spirit of grace is talking to you about. Don't rest on what you did before. Don't rest about what happened before. You need to know what he's doing now. I'll do a new thing, says the Lord. Because when I walk forward, that's gone already. God is before us. He's already risen and has gone in front of us. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight. We love you and we worship you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight. I thank you for what you're doing with us and in us and through us. Father, you don't, you're not impressed with numbers and crowds. You're impressed with people's hearts. As you weren't pleased with them and they were scattered in the wilderness, Lord, you said you'd never let one of us fall. So Lord, I thank you for your hand is upon every person here that we can die a little bit more. Father, that you would purge us a little bit more, that you show us your love a lot more, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. That's your promise to every, every individual here tonight, that the spirit of grace is upon them and he's anointed them. Father, I break ties, soul ties that people have with other people. I break trauma memories of people, people that have been tormented through their mind, their will or their emotions. Father, I break that in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that they can get their substance from you and you alone. You are the bread of life. You are the Lord of the world. Lord, let us eat from, a, from, a, from your tree, the tree of life. 
I thank you, Lord, that people that are in a place of oppression or depression, that, Lord, that they would understand how much you love them. And we take off this, the garment of heaviness so we can put on the spirit of praise. It's a decision we have to make. And I thank you, Lord, that you would speak to them in their hearts. Speak in their spirit that it be magnified in them. They know the blood of Jesus. Paul said, I know nothing among you except one thing, that Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's a crucified God that was risen from the dead. And He saved us from the pit of hell. And if you don't know that tonight, you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You have never received Him. You never repented of your sin. You may have said, Lord, prayed a prayer. You may have said a nice little, no, no, have you given your life to Him? I don't see anywhere in the Bible says give your heart to Jesus. The Bible says give your life to Jesus. So He can give it back to you, your life, abundantly, pressed, run off over, full of His mercy and grace, with a new identity. No longer slaves, but we're called sons and daughters of the Most High. The Bible says repent of your sins, bow your hearts to Him now, and receive Him, the Lord of your life. His blood is there to wash you, cleanse you, and fit you into his family. I pray for every person here. I feel led to pray for everyone. Uh, if you're next to your wife, your husband, hold hands. I pray for children right now. In the name of Jesus, hold hands right now. If you've got children, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you said two will become one flesh. Father, you said that the children are the heritage of the Lord. Lord, so I pray a blessing through the families, through mom and dads, Father through grandparents, through brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles, Lord, that your mighty hand will flow through them. And as they touch their children, as they speak to their children, Father, that the authority of grace and mercy will protect them, Father, because of the blood of Jesus. I thank you right now. The devil has no grounds. The evil one has nothing on those children. Jesus says, suffer not the children. Let them come unto me. I pray a blessing over every child, Lord. Every child, from a baby to an adult, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Father, that the devil's come after our children. But Lord, you have, you have kicked the gates of hell and you've given us the power to bring back our children. Release them now in the favor of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, right now. We give you all the glory. Our children come to us to come through us. They're yours. And I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise. I thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, that came right upon me then. I, was just, I don't know what's going on, but oh, I do know what's going on, but for that moment in time, parents, start praying for your kids. Start declaring over your kids. Start speaking life over your kids. If you've spoken words over them that you didn't mean, repent. Simple. Wash them with the blood. The Bible says the washing of the word. Speak over them. Don't accept whatever they're going through. What Don't even put your fears upon them. Get rid of your fear and come walking in faith. Amen? Perfect love casts out all fear. Speak life over them. Lift them up. In the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Wow. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. Well,
Engane, ó. 